Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Thursday, January 10th, 2019. I'm Shannon, and I'm here with Natalia and Sarah to talk with you about urban fantasy. And this is, I think, one of the hardest uh, podcast episodes we've ever put together because there's so much great urban fantasy out there. And how do we ever decide what to talk about? But we, we did our best to uh, come up with a sampling of what we think are some of the best urban fantasy series out there. So, Natalia, do you want to um, share with people the lovely definition of urban fantasy that you gave to us recently? <laughs> Yes, I can. I remember this now. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> what makes urban fantasy different from normal fantasy novels? Well, you can. I define my urban fantasy as Obama having a drink in a bar in New York with a vampire. It's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite description ever. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So it's set in our world, but a different version of our world where vampires and shifters and other sort of magical creatures roaming around sometimes known to humans and sometimes hidden but before we dive into the fabulous recommendations we have i just want to remind people that you can search for us on facebook by searching book bistro podcast where you can like and or follow the page you can also join our Facebook group. If you want to get a hold of us for any reason, you can also do that via Facebook, or you can send an email to thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So, Sarah will start us off. I will go next, and Natalia will end the round before we start again. I would like to start off our urban fantasy discussion tonight with a very intelligent and brainy book, very (laughs) (laughs) brainy series called My Life as a White Trash Zombie, written by Diana Rowland. And this series is, um, I think it's a pretty unique spin on urban fantasy and a really cool story. So it it is about a young woman. She's about 22 when this when the series begins and she lives in like the swamp, the bayou in Louisiana in a trailer with her father and she has dropped out of high school. She basically has done about every entry level job you can think of. She like kind of has floated around. She doesn't have a lot of sense of purpose. And She um, uses several types of drugs and fights very publicly with her boyfriend. And when the book starts, she is waking up in the hospital and doesn't remember her night at all the night before, which doesn't really surprise her because this happens to her sometimes. But she learns that she was found wandering down the side of the road naked. And she has like a ton of different types of drugs in her system. And the doctor and the nurse were like, we are shocked that you're not dead. This, this, you cannot, 
you cannot continue living like this. This is not healthy. And she's kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm going home, blah, blah, blah. Because she's very, got a very um, strong southern drawl, which I love. And so when she's checking out of the hospital, she's told this was left for you. And she, there, it, it's a styrofoam cooler. And she's like, what? And she <laughs> looks inside the cooler. And there's a note in the cooler that says... You will come and start a job tomorrow at the, the coroner's office. And if you do not, if you do not appear for this job, you, I will call the, the police and you will be arrested for all of the drugs that you've done. And trust me, these drinks in the cooler, you need to drink them every couple of days and don't worry. And she's like, okay. So she goes home and that day I think she like has one of the drinks and she thinks it's like a cappuccino and she thinks it's very strange. And she really goes back and forth about going to the coroner's office and working. But she decides that she's going to do it because she really doesn't want to go to jail and doesn't want to deal with the police because she's had some bad run-ins with them and doesn't really like them. So she goes to the coroner's office and she starts a job where she's helping move dead bodies Yes, um, I'm trying to think of what what they call it. Um, she like drives the van and um, the the her um, hearse. The hearse. Thank you. I couldn't say the word. She drives the hearse and helps bring the bodies into the morgue. And she also assists a little bit with the autopsies. So what starts happening is she is running out of her cappuccinos that she thinks they are that she's been sipping every couple days, and she's helping with an autopsy when all of a sudden she's overwhelmed with the urge to eat the brain of the person that's being autopsied. And she's like completely disgusted. Like that's a brain. What is happening to me? Like I, there must be something in my water. Like I'm, what is wrong with me? So she figures out by um, talking to some people and um, that she actually died the night that she went to the hospital and that she's actually a zombie. She remembers being in a car accident, even though there's no evidence of blood on her and, you know, she didn't have any clothes and there's no evidence of a wrecked car. She has no, but she's getting these flashes. And so, yes, it turns out that she's actually a zombie, that she was made into a zombie. And it turns out that there are many zombies in the world that are working and very respectable and the way they're able to blend in and not, like, go rabid for brains is because they have zombies working in different positions, like at funeral homes and hospitals and places where they can get parts of the brains of people who have passed away. They do not eat alive people or their brains when they're alive. They don't have any desire to walk up to somebody and, like, bite their arm off. It's the brains, but they don't need them when they're alive. But when you start listening to this or reading this or when you hear me describing this story, you might think, like, that is so gross. And throughout the series, she does talk about eating brains a lot. So it is something you have to get past. But what I love about this series, there's a whole um, conspiracy going on. Um, There's a a secret government um, group. Uh, I was going to say agency. That's not the word I want. Like a secret government organization um, that knows about zombies. And 
it's just really, really interesting. But my favorite part about this series is how Angel Crawford goes from this, who is basically doesn't, she really has no direction. She doesn't really have friends. She and her dad are not close. And she begins to build this family and develop confidence in herself as a person and realize that she actually has a lot to give to this world. And so she does things throughout the books, like get her GED, she studies, and she makes very close friendships. The romance in this series is extremely slow building. And I really adore, I, I, I adore the whole romance plot. It is not a book. This, this series is not something you would read if you want like a lot of like explosive romance or if you want her to like know in book one who her love interest is going to be, I would not, that book would not be for you. But these books are really intriguing to me. If you like reading books in an audio format, the narrator, Allison McClemore, is absolutely one of the most phenomenal readers and her accents are fabulous. So if you like to read something that's a little different and a little interesting, I would highly recommend the White Trash Zombie series by Diana Rowland. And the first book, again, is called My Life as a White Trash Zombie. And I would say to you, read it today. I kind of want to read it today, except I have so many other things that I need to read. And okay. I'll have to, like, squeeze it in somehow. Read it tomorrow. But it really... <laughs> It really is worth reading, but I would say that if it, it was hard for me at first to get into the book because I, I, I did not know if I had anything that I could find in common with hers so that I could continue reading the book. But the more you read, the more you will just be rooting for Angel and you will just really, really like the books. I really think you'd like them, Shannon, but you probably would have to read almost the whole first book before you decide you like it. I will have to give it a try. So my first pick for this episode is the Jane Yellow Rock series Yay. by Faith Hunter. And the first book is called Skinwalker. And anyone who knows me even a little bit knows that I am very, very obsessed with all things feline. Um, I, I love cats. I'm always talking about how like one day I'm going to transform and I'll just become this big fluffy orange cat. It'll be great. <laughs> so <laughs> the concept of the Jane Yellow Rock series really, really appealed to me because Jane is a skinwalker and she shares her body with the soul of a big cat that is called Beast. I love Beast. I love Beast too. And one of the things that I think sets this series apart from a lot of other series about shifters is that we see things from Jane's point of view, but we also get to see things from Beast's perspective. And when Beast is in control of the body, it's a totally different experience from when Jane is. So, you know, Jane sort of recedes into the background and Beast is in control. And it's a, it's a very, very different experience from other kind of shifter um, fiction I've read. But this series is set in New Orleans, which I love. And Jane is a vampire hunter. She hunts rogue vampires. 
but she has taken a job for the master of New Orleans. And he is a vampire. So she's working for vampires to bring down rogues. And she's not really sure how this is going to work. Um, you know, she has a very, very strong dislike for vampires. She doesn't trust them. Um, you know, she kind of thinks that a dead vampire is kind of the only good vampire that there can be. <laughs> but as the series goes on, Jane learns a lot about herself about beast and also about vampires um, which are called mithrin in this particular series and faith hunter does a fantastic job weaving in like um mythology like native american mythology um you know but we're not just hearing about like european myths um we learn a lot about like the cherokee beliefs and I, i love that a lot um there is a very very cool very slow burn romance yes. that doesn't take off right away like there's you have to get through a few books to kind of understand where it's going but it is so so wonderful the first book is called skinwalker again um you know it's a it's a long series and she also has a spin-off series which is called soulwood which i haven't read yet um, but the fourth book comes out next month in the Soulwood series. So I am just a big fan of Faith Hunter's Jane Yellow Rock books. And I hope that I've encouraged some of you to love them as well. Speaking of skinwalkers, what I'm going to talk about is completely different. That's <laughs> what I like about urban fantasy. Speaking of skinwalkers, but I'm not. different. It is. And let me tell you, I'm not really, like, into mafias or gangs. I mean, I, I do like, you know, Katie Roberts and stuff. But oh, yeah, it's it's not, you know, it's Shannon's fault. She got me into mafias. Bad <laughs> Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> and, but these books are by Rachel Vincent. And most people oh. might know her um, for her cat shifters. Shifters? Books. Shifters. That, that's what she first sold. And every series this woman writes is fabulous. And... What I like about her is that all her books are in first person, but if you took one of her books without the cover and next to the other one and you didn't know who wrote it, you still wouldn't know because she makes her characters sound different. You know how there are some people that write in first person and they, you know, you know who's writing, even if the character is a little different, but not Rachel. So these books are called the Unbound series. And the first book is called Bloodbound. And it's about a lady named Liv, and she's got this cool gift, um, which I'm glad doesn't actually exist, because that'd be scary. But (laughs) she can track people by their name. Or is it by their blood? I think it's both, actually. I think it's both. Like, either works well, but both work, like, magic, yeah. Spectacularly. Right. I think the blood is dominant, and the name is secondary. I think she might have inherited the name from one of her parents and gotten dominant blood. Um, So if she has your blood, she can find you no matter where you are. And if she knows your full name, what it actually is, she can also find you. And this series is so cool because it has people, you know, everybody has a different kind of talent. Like there are binders where you, you make a contract and if they bound you, if you don't go by the contract, you die. And this is where the story starts. So Um, There were four friends and Liv was one of them. And it turns out that one of the friends, her little sister, was a binder. And they swore to each other that they would always be there for each other when they were little girls. 
And the young, the little girl, you know, wanting to be included as little sisters, she's like, oh, I'll make the contract. And she made them all sign it and she bound them, not knowing what she was doing, of course. You know, she's a little kid. So Liv is, you know, living her life. And one of her friends, they've been estranged for a while. And she finds her and says, you have to help me find my daughter. You promised you'd always be there for me. I need you to help me. And of course, Liv can't not help her because she'll die if she doesn't help. So, you know, we go on this awesome quest to find the little girl where they took her. Is the girl even alive? What's going on? And, you know, and then we start learning about different things about their past. Why Liv is estranged from her friends? What happened? And you get into this awesome world where I remember I read the first book when it came out. And I was so mad because there were no more books. <clears throat> oh, I know. I had to wait a year for the other two. I know. I waited you for guys, that, too. You guys are so lucky because all three of them are out. Yes. Pick it up. Bloodbound by Rachel Vincent. Um, and, you know, just pick up any Rachel Vincent. They're all great. It's true. They are. <laughs> so the month is actually January, even though I'm going to be talking about October. <laughs> <laughs> want to say that all day so I am talking about the October Day series by Seanan McGuire and if you have not read something by Seanan McGuire you really should just try she's just stop what you're doing and do it yes <laughs> but her books are just she I, I read um two different series that she writes as Seanan McGuire and then she writes science fiction as Mira Grant and I've never been disappointed with anything that I've read by her so the first book, and I'm sorry for the coughing. I'm really trying. The first book in the October Day series is called Rosemary and Rue. And it is the story of a young half fae woman. That's what do they call it's it's she it's not a half fae, it's called a um uh, she's a changeling. Changeling. That's what I'm trying to say. So she's not fully fae. She's not fully human. She's a changeling. And so what a changeling is in this context, in this story, is when a fae, usually mother, but I think it can be a father as well, has a relationship with a human and has a child. And then eventually when they get to be about six or seven, while the, say her, the mother is playing like fairy bride. So like they're basically playing like they're in the human world. Um, there comes a time where they have, they're given, the child is given what's called the changeling's choice <clears throat> where they can choose to remain human or they can embrace being a changeling, which a lot of them don't even know they're changelings before the changeling's choice. So Toby became a changeling and um, basically without any um, knowledge of the choice she made is basically forced to leave her father who she's very close to behind. Um, they make it like, like October and her mother have died and they go to live in um, in the Summerlands, right? It's called the Summerlands. Yep, and yep. they live in fairy, basically. And at the beginning of the book, October is back living in San Francisco. She's a private investigator. And she is trying to solve a mystery. She also fell in love with a human man and had a little girl named Jillian. And Jillian is four. 
and she's doing she's trying to track down this this mystery and she's following this person and he and the woman he's with and I don't want to give you any names of the people catch her and the man they're in a like a garden like a Japanese garden and the man turns her into a fish and it sounds kind of dumb when I'm saying it but it was really horrifying like all of a sudden she's a fish and she is like gasping on the sidewalk and somebody goes by and like flips her into this pond and she's so panicked. She like swims down into the mud and she lives like 10 years as a fish and has no idea like what's happening or that she's even October day. So during this time, you know, her, her, the, her fiance thinks she left him. Her daughter cries for her mommy every day. And for 10 years, she's living as a fish, <clears throat> which is awful. It doesn't, yeah, it's no good. It's like literally a couple paragraphs. Don't worry. You don't have to read like chapter 37 in which I float about in the underwater mud. It's nothing like that. <laughs> well, I, rem- I remember when I started these books, I don't think I even read the summary. I don't know what made me start them. Um, probably Shannon. No, it wasn't me because I <laughs> wasn't you. No, I started them after you did, I think. Well, somebody said something, and I don't know. Maybe it was Myrna, but I, I tried to. I, I didn't know anything, and I read this prologue, and I'm like, oh, and then it says 14 years later, and I'm like, whoa. Oh yeah, sorry, it oh, might have been 14. So she really was 14. Years. So well, I think wasn't she as a fish for 10 years, and then kind of hiding out after that? It could have been no, 14. no. It wasn't 14. It's been yeah. a, it's been a year since I read the first one. So she comes back to San Francisco. Um, I won't tell you how she came back to being human, but she's basically so traumatized. Her, you know, her family rejects her, her, her fiance and her little girl. She tried to tell them like she was kidnapped. She couldn't get back to them. They don't believe her. They think she abandoned them. So she's just trying to quietly live her life. She's working as like a checker in a grocery store. And, um, she gets home from her job one night and there's a message on her answering machine from someone her name is evening and she um is Faye, and she's in the process of being murdered and basically as she's being murdered she binds october to find out who did this to her so you know then Ooh, of more course, binding yes more that's what i was thinking when you were talking about binding so october is required to solve this mystery now the interesting thing about these books is number one october is a very interesting character in my opinion she yeah. has a very kind and loving side which really um appeals to me she's very nurturing she not in the very beginning she's kind of hiding and and just trying to keep to herself but as the books unfold and all these mysteries take place because every book there's like a mystery but it builds and it builds you could not pick up in the middle and read this series and what i love about these books is again and you can kind of see this as a common theme for me i'm a real nurturer in my life so i like Books where, like, people build a family, people have characters that they take under their wing and they help. And October Day really does that. And do you guys agree with me? I mean, it's really, to me, it's a beautiful series. It's so good. And, I mean, it's got so much action. And you like Faye. You like it. What were you going to say? So much what? It's just so dimensional. (laughs) Yes, it is. Um, the writing is gorgeous. I mean, just the narrator is gorgeous too, but yes, just, just the writing and how this story just builds and, and, and builds and, and, you know, it's not just like one mystery per book, you know, you, you'll get to like book 10 and find out stuff 
that explains stuff in book one. It's yes. Just, and I mean, she's still writing them, and I'm not tired of it at all. Never. Um, it was. I love her man too. I just have to say, it's a slow burning romance, slow building again, and just oh my gosh, the the person that she's with at the end of the books just fills my heart with joy, and really should fill Shannon's heart with joy as well. It does. It, it does. does. <laughs> it should. <laughs> not that it wouldn't it fill does. your heart. It makes with joy, me Natalia. so happy. So yeah, um, again, because you know I like to talk for a very long time about books that I adore. This book again is. This is the October Day series, and this book is called Rosemary and Rue by Seanan McGuire. Again, read it today. And it's spelled Seanan, by the way. Yes, it's, it's not S- Shannon. It's S-E-A-N-A-N. So it's pronounced Seanan McGuire, but it looks, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I absolutely must, 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 must talk about Danica Dark. Yes, you must. Because Danica Dark is fantastic. So my favorite series that she writes is called Crossbreed. It is a spinoff of her Madri series. So what I would say is if you want to really like go back to the beginning, I would start with Sterling. But if you just want to check out Crossbreed because I say it's the best, <laughs> then you can... <laughs> Skip to Keystone, which is Crossbreed Book One. So in the Crossbreed series, we follow Raven Black, and Raven is half mage and half vampire. But she really, really, really doesn't like her vampire half. Um, She hates vampires. They're just no good. And Raven's life is is kind of messy. She doesn't have a place to live really she's just kind of like drifting around killing vampires when she can and she's just not sure what she's going to do with her life and she gets recruited to be a part of this kind of secret agency that's called keystone and keystone is kind of like the i don't know like last resort for magical things magical problems so if there's something going on that needs like extra investigation or maybe needs some kind of like, I don't know, uh, things to be kept under the radar as they're being investigated, people will call in the members of Keystone. So Raven is recruited into this group and she's not really sure what she thinks of this, but it's, it pays well and it gives her a sense of purpose that she hasn't had before. And food. And food, yes. (laughs) Lots of food. Food's important. Her partner is Christian. And if you have read the Madri series, you know Christian very, very well. Uh And I have to admit that he is, like, what drew me to the series at first. I was like, oh, my gosh, Christian, like, finally gets to be more than just a side character. He's such a hottie McHotterson. I love Christian. so, so great. So he is... A vampire and he teams up with Raven and of course the other members of Keystone and they solve all kinds of magical mysteries and I love these so so much by the time everyone is listening to this episode the sixth book will be released and that makes me very very happy because I have five to read and six so at some point I can just like sink into both of these novels and it will be amazing and, and wonderful, and I won't want to, like, stop reading them. 
but I'll have to eventually. So the first book in the Crossbreed series is called Keystone. But if you want to go back further, read Sterling and the rest of the Marjorie series, and then you can read Crossbreed, and it will be lovely. She's very different. I don't think her series. I started Marjorie, and I don't think it's going to go anywhere where I. No, I'm used to. No, it won't. Her her it books won't. never do. Um, I love. Cool. I love to say too about um, this series again. This must be just like my, I feel like I'm a broken record mantra tonight, but what I love about this book is Raven at the beginning is totally alone. She has yes. no one. And by, you know, she starts to, she's, and she's afraid to trust anyone to open up, to have a friend, to have anything. She's had some horrible things happen to her. And I just love how she becomes part of this group. And I'm not saying it's like a seamless, easy transition, but she becomes mm. part of this group. And it's just amazing to watch how she changes when she starts to feel that she's a valued member of something. Don't you think? I do. I do. Well, speaking of like traumatized people that start off alone and learn to like (coughs) find themselves and, and, and get friends and stuff. I'm going to talk about the complete opposite. (laughs) Because yeah, (laughs) (laughs) growing up, in a, you know, your parents are perfectly married and happy, and you've had basically no problems in your life, and you're super sheltered and oh my super God. naive, and everything is dandy, and that's what I'm going to talk about. These are the Fever books by Karen Marie Moni. Now, Literally one of the best series ever. Oh my gosh, yes. And she's so interesting because she says that the titles came to her in a dream, and she wrote them on her wall in Sharpie. And her husband had to, like, do everything to remove them. And um, she kept trying to write other books, but they wouldn't get out of her head. So she just had to write them. And they are so multifaceted. So this, the first book is called, oh, Jesus, please let me get it right, Dark Fever? Yes. Yay! <laughs> and it is um, about Michaela Lane, and she is this girl sheltered life you know 22 years old this would have probably been called new adult if it came out now but back i'm then, glad it's not <laughs> <laughs> you see this you see this she has a problem with us new adults am i even considered new adult i think i'm too old now i don't know <laughs> yeah i think new adult is like 24 18 between 18 and 24 oh yeah i'm actually too old for something sad so um yeah she's got you know her parents are married they love each other She's happy with her sister. You know, she has typical, you know, 22-year-old girl problems. I don't know what I want to do with my life. I don't know, you know, if I, I finish school and now what? But then her sister decides to do an internship in Ireland. And, you know, Max stays behind. Michaela stays behind. But it turns out, her, you know, the police come to the door and tell them that her sister has been murdered. Of course, you know, her world shatters this this girl has never known any kind of loss or any kind of sadness you know nothing i'm sure she's known sadness but nothing tragic in her life and so she's you know moping around in her grief devastated of course and um it's her it occurs to her to check her phone and she hears a voicemail from her sister that her sister left her shortly before she died where she was hysterical and very cryptic so Kayla decides to go to ireland and find out who killed her sister and get revenge. And this starts her on a quest of, um, you know, finding herself, figuring out the woman that she's going to be. And she becomes, she goes from being this 
Michaela naive little girl to being this grown woman that nobody messes with. And I guess, oh, think she's just awesome. I think it's so awesome. And I mean, we can't really tell you what this book is about because it has everything. You know, it has fae, it has druids, it has magic, it has folklore, it has end of the world apocalypse. I mean, it's just everything. A kick-ass and, hero. You forgot that. Well, yes. Um, oh, my God. Yes. It's a slow-burning romance. Um, but but I, I just, I don't know, I just love these books so much. And they're so multifaceted. And um, so the 10th book is out, and I haven't read it yet because it's January, so the 11th book should come out. So I, I like there to be two out before I, I read them I because she always the ends with cliffhangers. was the last one. They end. High Voltage. High Voltage is the last one. Oh, it is the last one? Holy oh my yeah. gosh. I didn't know that. And I haven't read it yet. Natalia, I today. I keep saying that about every series, but this one, I am, I'm, I, it was literally one of the best series I have ever read in my entire life. Like, I'll never forget it. And I'm yes, going to have to read it again. my favorites. I mean, all the ones I'm talking about today are my favorites. Mine too. Really different. I mean, I even got my mother into this. <laughs> so, do you guys know what's disturbing to a lot of people? Uh, ghosts? Vampires. Ah, vampires. Yes, vampires are disturbing. And so, did you know that sometimes, even though we think vampires are sexy in so many of our series, there are people characters in some of our series who do not think vampires are sexy in fact they hate them and want to kill them well yes like jane yellow rock yes but this series is about a young woman named cat and this author is the fabulous janine frost and i am talking about the night huntress series which i love to call the cat and bones series and the first book in this series is called halfway to the grave by Janine Frost. Now, let me just tell you about Halfway to the Grave. This is another series that I have read multiple times, and I don't usually read books multiple times, but um, every series that I've talked about today, I've read twice except for my um, White Trash Zombie, but I'm going to be rereading that um, this this month. So we are talking about Janine Frost, Halfway to the Grave, and the character, the heroine at the beginning, again, Natalia would say this would be considered new adult now, but I don't care. Um, it doesn't remind me of new adult. It reminds me. She just is young in the beginning. And her name is Catherine, and she is a vampire hunter. They live in Ohio, and she lives on a rural um, farm with her very grasping, controlling, but not really loving mother and her old, very religious, judgmental grandparents. And during the day, she's Catherine and does, like, whatever they tell her to do. But at night, she goes out and she hunts vampires and she kills them. And she hates vampires. Does not think there's one good thing about a vampire. Until one day, she's in a bar with a vampire and she's planning on killing him. And he's beautiful and interesting with this Cockney accent. And whoo, and he swoon. ends up showing her. Yes, swoon. And he ends up showing her, dude, you don't even know one thing about fighting. I could totally just wipe the floor with you, blah, blah. So through <laughs> a, a chain of events. 
Bones, the vampire. He has a real name, but he likes he goes by Bones um, for many reasons that you will have to read the book to find out. Bones offers to train her. They end up having to pair up against some other vampires, but I don't want to get into it too much. And he, they go to this cave and he teaches her how to fight. And she, the first book is a lot of her learning how to fight, a lot of her learning that um, the world isn't as small and isn't as, uh, not the word isn't precise. The word is, the world is not as small and like rigid as she's been taught to believe it is there. She learns to have an open mind and she learns that not all vampires are evil. And she learns some other really interesting facts. And she learns that bones is really quite sexy and amazing. <laughs> oh my God. Cat and bones like make my knees weak. I love this series so much. And, um, it's a great series. There's so much more that I can't tell you. And I think I say this for everyone, but it builds and builds and builds. This is not a series again, that you could ever pick up in the middle. You need to read from book one. Do you guys agree with me? I do. Yes. A hundred percent. Do you guys agree with me that this is a phenomenal series? Oh, my yes. God. Yes. Yes. So I read them when they just came out, when there was only two of them. Oh God. That um, would have been awful. I read them awful. when there were six of them and then seven just came out. Like when I started reading them. So yeah, Again, was, was awful. this is the Night Huntress series by the wildly talented Janine Frost. I really like all the books she's written. She has other series, too. And the first book is called Halfway to the Grave. So my next pick is going to take us to Australia. Ooh. Because Australia is great. Just ask my brother. <laughs> he lived there for a year. <laughs> wow, I'm jealous. It's cool. <laughs> anyway, I want to talk about the Riley Jensen series by Carrie Arthur. And these, um, kind of like Natalia was saying, these are some of the first urban fantasy novels that I, I ever read. And I'm actually rereading this series um, because I think they're so multifaceted and stellar. Um, so the first book is Full Moon Rising. And we are introduced to Riley. And Riley is half vampire and half werewolf. I seem to have a thing about like half vampires. Half something. Yes. So she <laughs> lives with her twin brother, although at first not many people know that he's her twin. twin. And they work for this Hooray thing that's called and they work for this thing that's called the directorate. And the directorate is responsible for keeping supernaturals away from humans making sure that they don't cause any uh, like undue harm and Riley is being groomed for a much higher position in the directorate than she like really wants to take and so she's kind of doing her best to stay under the radar but of course since this is urban fantasy like our heroines are never under the radar so a series of things happen, and I can't really tell you about them because that would be spoilerish and terrible, so I won't. Spoilerish. Spoilerish. <laughs> but Riley is forced to make some really difficult decisions. And these decisions kind of 
set her life on a trajectory that she just never would have imagined. Um, these are very, very steamy books. I do have to say that some people object to the amount of sexy times um, that we see on the page. And Riley um, is a werewolf and werewolves are very sexual beings. Yes. So we, you know, you have to have kind of a, a high tolerance for that. Um, but these are, oh, so phenomenal. There is, again, again, this is kind of a weird theme that we have, um, a, a slow burn romance that I was really, really happy with by the end of the series. I wasn't always sure that I would love it. But by the time the series ended, I was just really pleased there's also a spin-off to the series um that i've read a few books in and it is equally fantastic yeah. so this again is the riley jensen series by carrie arthur and the first book is full moon rising um the next book i'm going to talk about they are by jennifer Eastep, and there are a lot of them out um yes. there's a lot of series but i just love this series i didn't think i would um, I had never read about assassins before when I started it. And I read like one of the prequel novellas and it just grabbed me. I, I, when I started, there was, I think five of them out and I just read them all one after the other after the other. Uh, the first one is called spider's bite. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's called spider's bite. And this story is about Jim Blanco. And when she was a child, um, she, she's an orphan. And she was raised by this gentleman who taught her how to be an assassin to survive, an assassin for hire. And I just don't want to say anything else <laughs> because they're that good and I don't want to ruin anything. But I can say this. Um, the reason why they're called elemental assassins is because there's uh, elementals, which means they have different powers. You know, some people have power over ice, water, fire, air, stone, and stone. earth, and gin is very talented and gifted although she doesn't know it because she has two she has ice power and stone power Ooh. and um so this is another character that grows um from the beginning of the series you know there's there's a mystery and like i i didn't know how i was going to feel about my main character being an assassin because you think oh my god she kills people but you know suspend your moral disbelief for this one you are going to end up being like me and cheering on your assassin um so the first one is called spiders by jennifer Eastup, and just anything jennifer Eastup is great i love how she invents things um just her <clears throat> imagination is so cool i mean she's written 16 elemental assassin books and i'm not tired of them yet and i can't wait for the next one no i i love this um this version of like Asheville, north carolina that she's created um, I love the restaurant that she owns, the pork pit. Yes. Um, it's just, it's an amazingly gritty world, but it's, it's so compelling. And, you know, just make sure you read them with a full stomach because you will get hungry. The rest it's true. Do they have recipes in them and oh talk about gosh, food yes. or what? Our assassin <clears throat> loves to cook. Yeah. Oh. I don't think, and this sounds a little arrogant, but I don't think we could really discuss urban fantasy without discussing the amazingness that is Patricia Briggs. It's true. Yes. Patricia Briggs is so fabulous. And both of the series that I've read of, of that, that she's written, I've loved, and she has a whole bunch of other stuff too. But what we are going to talk about today is the Mercy Thompson series. 
And the first book in the Mercy Thompson series is called Moon Called. And Mercy Thompson is a, she is a coyote. She is a, a, a coyote shifter in a world of wolves and vampires. And so you see her when she shifts into her coyote and she's like this little like 45, 50 pound coyote, <laughs> which is kind of funny because she was raised with a pack of wolves. I mean, shifters, but they were wolves. And Mercy Thompson is a mechanic. And she always gets involved, even though she is supposed to be just a mechanic. There's always a mystery that needs to be solved. And there are so many just rich characters in this series. There are the Fae. There are vampires. Again, they're not as um, many of them are not as amazing as, like, say, the Black Dagger Brotherhood. But, well, there's no vampire as amazing as the brothers. But, um, I mean, of course, that's just my opinion. We we can't fight on the (laughs) podcast, right? No. Right. No. But she. Okay, I'll mercy when we're done. Yeah, you can. (laughs) You can. I can take it. But Mercy Thompson is. She is such a cool character because, again, she is really badass. I mean, she's a mechanic. She can fight. She's really scrappy. But then on the other hand, she loves to cook for people. She loves to take care of people. She has a kind of empathy to her that I think makes her just a really cool character. And what I love about these books, too, and I don't want to give too much away. There is a love interest that she ends up with pretty early to the beginning of the series. And they have a beautiful relationship throughout the series. But what I really like is most of the time, and, and, and there's always like help from friends and stuff. But for the most part, Mercy gets herself out of trouble. You know, if there's trouble, if she gets, well, I don't want to say too much. But, you know, if she gets attacked, if she gets kidnapped, if she gets whatever, she most times is able to figure out a way, find a way, do whatever to get herself out of trouble. So it's, she's not always relying on the love interest. And I, I really, really can't say enough good things about these, these books. If you like the Mercy Thompson series, I would also highly recommend the Alpha and Omega series, which is kind of a spinoff. There are some characters that are in the Mercy Thompson series that, that Patricia Briggs writes her another series all about. And so um, these also are not standalone books. You cannot read one without reading all of them. So you have to start with book one. Do not pick up in the middle. Moon Called by Patricia Briggs. Very good. Makes me happy. So my last pick is the Dreg City series by Kelly Metting. And I do have to say that this is not a series that has totally wowed me in the way that some so many of these others have. But I do give the author huge props for her originality. Um, and also because this takes place in Detroit, which is, you know, not so far from where I grew up. So we are introduced to Evie. And Evie works for this, like, supernatural kind of, like, police force. And she works with two other people. And they are involved in this really yucky situation. 
and the two people that she works with die. And actually, Evie dies too, although you don't know that right away. But she wakes up, and she's in a different body. She doesn't look like herself, um, and so many things are, are different. And she can't figure out like why people are calling her Chalice. And what chalice? she learns, Chalice, like like in church, like a cup. Yes. <laughs> and Sorry. what she learns is that she has a mission that she must complete, and in order to make sure that she does, some very powerful being has cast a spell that allows her to live in this other person's body for three days. And that's why, I don't know if I said this, but that's why the first book is called Three Days to Dead. And she is forced to try to get used to this other body and make it work for her the way that her body did in the past. And I wasn't sure at first how I was going to like it because it it just seems kind of quirky and I I couldn't tell. Um, But I ended up really, really enjoying book one. Um, I've also read book two, which I liked quite a bit. Um, I'm eager to pick up book three. But I will say that there are parts of these that are a little bit slower. They're not kind of the nonstop action that so much urban fantasy relies on. Um, So it's not, I don't know, it's not that I I like it less, but I guess I like it differently um, than some of the other things that we've talked about. But I still encourage people to pick it up. It's, It's wonderfully unique. So that is Three Days to Dead, Dreg City, number one, by Kelly Metting. Oh, speaking about reincarnation and past lives and... <laughs> oh. This yes. series I'm yes. going to talk about is the series that has resonated with me, I guess, maybe more than any other. And maybe that's just because I'm a romantic fool. I don't know. But... um. This is by Rochelle Mead, and she's known for her Vampire Academy books, which are also great, but we're not talking I about them today. Um, and I want to talk about my favorite series by Rochelle Mead, which is the Georgina Kincaid series, which is her first. I just wanted to read these. You have oh, to read you them. have to. You They're must. so, so good. You must. Succubus. Oh, oh. Such a good series. So the first book is called Succubus <coughs> Blues. It is by, Ger- uh, by Georgina, by <laughs> Rochelle Mead. And it is about Georgina Kincaid. And Georgina Kincaid is a succubus. Now, for those of you who don't know what a succubus is, like I didn't, um, she basically has to sleep with people uh, to get their energy from them. Um, basically, you know, she kind of has to corrupt people into sleeping with her. And and uh, they basically give her, her their life force because they're sinning. And, you know, that's what she needs to live. Now, I know this doesn't sound romantic, but I promise you it is. But Georgina, you know, she's lived many years. She's probably like a thousand years old. And she kind of got tired of corrupting people a long time ago. And she has this thing where she only sleeps with bad people. So she kind of tends to sleep with more people because they have less, you know, they have less purity to give her because they're sinners. But she likes it that way. And, of course, she works at a bookstore. I love that she works in a bookstore. Me too. I work at a bookstore. And um, <laughs> and the first book, the mystery is that people are going around murdering people of her kind, like other immortals, because she does have friends. She does have a group of friends and a group of people that she's with. She's not alone. 
she's just not, you know, I don't think she's happy. I would say that she's empty. And she does have a group of, of friends and, you know, some of her friends are being killed. So there's this whole mystery to figure out who's killing them, what's going on. And I just think it's so cool, like, how these books you can make, you know, basically to become like a succubus or an incubus, which is a male version of a succubus. You have to, you know, you want to escape your life as a human and then hell offers you a contract and whatever you want them to do in exchange you become you know you have to serve hell so you're basically hell's employee and legit like in this book in these books hell has human resources and like it does it has a chain (laughs) of command and everything i I mean i imagine satan is the ceo i don't really know i don't remember i would suppose so yes (laughs) i would suppose so i'm not sure because then who's the board of directors that runs him i am so intrigued yeah these are so great it, it is so intriguing like to see you know just I mean, if if you if you grew up, you know, Christian like I did, it's just very cool to see, to see like something so invented. I mean, of course, there's also heaven and there's, you know, heaven has a chain of command also. So we see both both sides and we kind of see how, you know, people could have landed in hell. But that doesn't make that doesn't mean they're evil. Like it's not black and white. You know, it's it's definitely very gray in both areas, which I like. And yes. you just have to pick them up um it is so good and i want to talk about the hero but not so much because i just don't want to give it away so is it with this series just out of curiosity so is it like every chapter she has to have sex with somebody else like does it get tedious like okay and like she doesn't describe it all sometimes she just said yeah we slept together boom next thing it's it, it doesn't get tedious you don't you don't get you know it's not like 50 shades where you spend 21 hours reading about orgasms <laughs> that aren't yours you know doesn't no, happen like it's, that. it's <laughs> not at all like that. <laughs> In my whole life. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely not like that. It's just her, you know, she sees it as a job. It's kind of like when you're reading about a waitress and they're talking to you about who they're serving, you know, burgers to and stuff. It's the same concept. She, they're just the serving she her a life it. burger. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like a life force. So this is Succubus Blues by Rochelle Mead, Georgina Georgina Kincaid, book one. And you are in luck because all six books are out. So you can read yes. one after the other after the other. You're going to want to. And um, it's just so much awesome. So much awesome. That's why I saved it for last because I think it probably is my favorite thing that I've talked about today. And then you can be sad because it's all done. Oh, look, it's all done. Just like the show. Yeah. <laughs> the show? <laughs> This podcast. <laughs> I'm like, is there, a, is there a show about Succubus Blues? And I miss No, you. they have not <laughs> put like... it on TV. All right. So there are tons more urban fantasy books we could talk about. Um, but I don't think we will right now because <laughs> I would kind of like to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> I have to put my, my kids kid to bed. Food. Yeah, I have to feed the cat and I then I'll go to bed. Kid. Okay, well, that's fair. (laughs) So I want to thank Sarah and Natalia for such a delightful conversation about some of my very, very favorite books. Um, Thank you for allowing me to talk about urban fantasy. Yes. Urban fantasy is my favorite. We will have to do this again. Yes. Um, Urban fantasy part two. (laughs) Thanks, of course, as always, goes out to Christine, who makes these episodes um, listenable. Fabulous. Yes. Um, because the, the thing that you actually hear, like when you 
subscribe to the show is very different from <laughs> what we hear as we record it. So I want to thank her for all of the fantastic editing she does. And thank, thank you to those of you who have joined us on the Book Bistro journey. We are so excited to share our love of books with all of you. If you would like to give us a little treat, you can leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever other platform you use to access the show. If you would like to get a hold of us, you can do that via Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast, or you can send an email to thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. We will be back next week with more bookish fabulousness. Until then, I hope you all are staying warm and, of course, well-read. Good night, everybody.